Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. You got something you want to share with the class? You got something you want to share with you the were, class, Mrs. McElroy? You were gesturing at me as a conductor. Oh, is that what it was? To indicate when I should begin. But each <sighs> gesture looked like it was going to lead to another gesture. You know, I wasn't... So I didn't know when to start. I wasn't thinking about it like a conductor. I was okay. thinking about it like I was pulling... The spirit of the show we do, wonderful about the good shit from the ether mm. of the air surrounding us. Sorry we missed last week, y'all. Sorry we missed last week. I was sick. Why did I say that? That's a lie. That's I'm like so quick to lie about being sick so that I don't have to go to school, and it's an old habit. And I don't, I don't need to do it for <laughs> wonderful. We were on vacation. We were at Disney World. <laughs> I was sick of work. I was sick of y'all. And so I had to go to Diz with my bud, Rachel, and our my other bud, who's our son, Henry, and lots and of other family buds. Family. Just the entire squad yeah, went to Disney everybody. World. A lot of fun. Uh, a little worried about um, uh, about Hurricane Dorian, uh, which, of course, was a fucking monstrosity, just not for Florida necessarily, although we did have to cancel our Orlando show, which was a bummer. But uh, otherwise, fun, fun Disney trip. Did Star mm-hmm. Wars, Star Wars did up, had that blue milk. It's horrible. You know, since we didn't do the Orlando show, we can make up all sorts of myths about what it was going to be like. It was going to be wet and so wild. So I was going to come out on stage. Yes. And I was going to twirl a baton. Yes. That had fire on both ends. Yeah. And then you were going to start the foam party. And uh-huh. then we would lose our deposit. <laughs> I'm not sure how... It works. We don't book the shows. Anyway, do you have any small wonders? I do. Okay. Small wonders, yeah. vacation photos. They're good. I love it because it's the one time you really prioritize taking photos of yourself and your family. Right. Uh, and then the photos are so good because you're all so happy to be on vacation together. Yeah. And they're always in like fun places and just looking at them. I don't know. Now I'm I'm trying to decide how many of them I want to print out and frame because it seems sure. like the majority. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I wasn't really exposed to this until like our honeymoon when we started mm-hmm. to like travel internationally, by which I mean we did it twice and then we had a baby. So that stopped happening. Uh, but it was if I was I was such a shutterbug, wasn't I? Yeah, we used to make little photo books. Oh, that was the jam. Uh, and and yeah, it's just the pictures are so good. Diz took some good ones too. Try to get us to buy them. There's one of Henry getting a kiss from Minnie Mouse that I'm quite a fan of. Yeah, you should get it. Anyway, yeah, I want to talk about uh, my small wonder yes. raisinets. I was going to do a big oh. wonder on these because I wanted to know. We bought some as a potty, potty training treat. Raisins. Literally just raisins dipped in chocolate. <laughs> I was no like, story. I want to know the history of raisinets. And I like Googled and I got on, you know, Nexus Lexus and I found some peer reviewed research that was like, they're raisins dipped in chocolate, dude. Like, you'd really want an oral history. Somebody took a raisin and dipped it in some chocolate and was like, mm, that's ballin'. And it could have happened anywhere at any point in time, anywhere on the globe. We can't say who the first person was. It's such an obvious slam dunk. Yeah. <laughs> but they're so good. I'm they're not like a big good. chocolate candy fan in general, but like the texture's nice. Uh-huh. You get that little bit of, that bit of fruity sweetness. I'm not really in the a middle. big raisin fan either, if I remember correctly. Um, You I, like them in other things. I like things, them in other but things. But you wouldn't need them by themselves. No, and you? I used to. I used to fuck up yeah. a box of sun made um but i love them man they're just nature's candy that we made even better we came into nature and we fixed it Mm -hmm. like we do 
with everything yeah <laughs> all the time meddling dipping it in chocolate mm-hmm. uh speaking of dipping it in chocolate i go first this week okay. my first thing is and we've talked about it uh, tangentially in small wonders from time to time but it's time for us to put the great british bake-off on the table and really oh, really never show- really like we've made it a whole topic we did a small wonder about hey there's new episodes right yeah but i think we need to like I think we need to. Okay, it. I'm ready. It just. It's so good. It's damn. It satisfies every time. I know. It's so good, and like we can talk about Rachel and I love reality television obs, and we love reality (laughs) competition shows, and you know that's that's all my jam, and it's a good one of those, but like. There's stuff that this show does that is kind of more intangible than that, and nobody does it as either yeah. as good as they do or even like attempts to do it like they do it. And like that's the stuff that's that, true. I don't know who was involved with casting both the hosts and the judges and the contestants. Yes. But just A plus all around. A plus, well done. Um, like, okay, broad strokes, the obvious stuff, like the idea of a baking competition show seems kind of counterintuitive because baking is just a tremendously boring process and usually takes like it takes forever (laughs) and it's not an obvious like it's not a great fit but like these people are really good at it most of the time and it's a great skill like showcase and that's awesome and a design and art showcase and that's awesome uh, and then, you know, you also get that like food porn itch scratched, which there really needs to be a better name for that. There really needs to be a better name for that phenomenon. <laughs> um, and you know, the hosts, the hosts have always been great. I've always thought that the hosts, both, the uh, you know, the, the judges and the, the hosts of the show have been like fantastic. But in my opinion, there's new episodes Uh-oh. going up on Netflix right now. In my opinion, it's the best it's ever been right now. Whoa. It's the best it's ever been right now. And now this- we haven't watched all the episodes of this season Maybe it takes a turn. Maybe it takes a turn, but I doubt it. Uh, I, I mean, I love Mary Berry. I love the other two hosts, but uh, you got you got Prue and Paul. Their their chemistry is just off the fucking charts. Yeah, they're both very like it's a funnier show now. No, it's true. And uh, the 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 new hosts, Noel and and Sandy, uh, Noel I I knew before from Mighty Boosh and and some other stuff. Uh, they're uh, fucking hysterical. So like, charming. It's not even just that they're charming. Like, there are bits that they do that are fucking, like, gut-bustingly, yeah. like, yeah. very, very funny. No, I think it used to be that, like, the the people in their roles before... I wish I could remember their names. Sue, Sue and... And the other one. Ah, shoot. I feel bad. They so, were our, they were our buddies for so long. Yeah. I feel bad. They, like, they saw their roles as, like, nurturers and, like, and comic relief, but in a very hosty way. Hosty, in a very and, like staged. And they were fantastic. Yes, they were fantastic, yes. and also very, very funny in their own rights. But it was, a, it was, a, but, I don't know, a drier. Now, now it's like it's more like a place for weirdos. It's unrestrained <laughs> in a way that I am a big fan of. Also, like I feel like now the the challenges are getting a little bit wilder. Yeah, it's yeah. like build a you know a functioning vending machine out of bread, idiot. Yeah, like, it used to be like all right, everybody's making pineapple upside down cakes. 
and then they would do it again the next season, and then they would do it the season after that. Now it's like it's always changing. Yeah, they would be the like, make some weird uh, ancient Italian wedding bread cake. The episode that we, we just watched was make a birthday cake for you in your childhood. So <laughs> wild and so good and so fun. It's just a more fun show, and it's like the best it's ever been. And like the format is also like great. You get the signature bake up front to like set the theme, mm-hmm. and then you get the technical challenge, which is a fucking horror movie because you know how it's supposed to be done and then you watch these like complete goobers just fuck it up so royally it's like and watching somebody like i'm gonna do an egg wash on this and it's like no don't do an egg wash well and what's (laughs) what's great about it too is that they will name some very obscure ancient you know dessert dish and you are waiting for them to go to that table yes. with the judges so you can see what it's supposed to look like because you don't know either. <laughs> yeah, last episode we watched, they did a thing called a fig roll, which is basically like a chonky fig Newton. Hello, <laughs> nurse. Let me have one of them bad boys. Don't even cut them up. Let me get one big fat fig tube, baby. <laughs> so like all that stuff's great. And the format, it's a great re- reality competition show. But for me, like the reason I got so excited when I saw that there were new episodes going up weekly on on the flicks is like the same reason I get excited for Terrace House, and that is that this show has its aesthetic like on lock. It is so like, it is a tender and polite show. And I don't just mean that in like a, like everybody is very polite to each other. Like the show itself and the way that it is presented yeah. and paced. I will say even more than Terrace House, because Terrace House throws you some curveballs sometimes. Especially this with, season we're watching now. With the intense drama. Yeah. Um, but- but baking show is always soothing. It's it is, always it is a nice so soothing. way to end the day. It's an audiovisual nap. Mm-hmm. Like the cinematography is very soft and the music and the silence sometimes. It's, it's like, like our planet Earth. It's like you our know? planet Earth. If you know we, how some people sit down and watch planet Earth and just get totally engrossed? Uh-huh. I feel like that doesn't work for me, but Baking Show does. Baking Show does. I get whisked away. Uh, it's just so nice. The people are nice. The show itself is nice. I get emotional. Watching this show more than I do watching any other reality show. Like, I give a shit about the people performing on it. Like, from episode one. The guy who got sent home episode one, I was like, oh, man. I know. Everybody's standing around hugging him, and they're, like, all very genuinely invested in this guy. And it's week one. It's been week one. It's been a day. It's been 24 hours since we watched that episode. (laughs) And I can remember that guy's name, which is, like, that doesn't happen on reality shows for me. Yeah. Uh, It's just such a great, nice, just good show. Uh, good capital G, good show, and it's nice and long, so you can just sink into it and just bathe in it. Oh, Great British Bake Off. So good. And I will only use the proper British name for it. Get that Great British Baking Show. Get that out of here. I'm authentic. (laughs) I remember this show when it was on the streets, the streets of London. We used to have to walk behind a dumpster to get your episodes, and you had to knock on the door Mm. five times, and you had to say, sword singer. And then they'd open the door, and that's how you got your episode. And who's at the door? It's Hugh Grant. He gives you some uh, GBBO on the cassette tape and I catch a tube with my friend GBBO it's beautiful thanks what's your first thing by the way Rachel you're flying without a net and this is fun this is fun for all of us tell everybody I feel like you should tell everybody I feel like we need to be transparent about our process well so we we've talked about this before I think but uh typically what I do is while I am at the office 
uh, during a sanctioned break. No. I type up my notes. You sanction it. It could be whenever, <laughs> how long. I type up my notes for the episode and I print them off on one piece of paper and then I fold up that piece of paper, put it in my purse, come home, whip it out, time to record. Yeah. Forgot and to then you get out. the piece of paper out. Forgot to print out my piece of paper. Luckily, I remembered my sources. Okay. So I just pulled them up in little windows on my phone. Okay. So I, I mean, you're I like can, Tarzan swinging mm-hmm. from website vine to website mm-hmm. vine. I can't yeah. wait to see this act of, of exactly. Okay. So my first thing yeah. is very related to our past week, and okay. it is the kids meal. The kids, the kids meal, the kids meal, the concept in general. of the kids meal. The kids' meal. The I'm meal. not speaking about the specific food associated with the kids' meal. I'm talking about the concept of a kids' meal at like a restaurant. Yes. No, you're talking. You're, yes, you're, yes, okay. at a restaurant. Okay, I thought you were. T- you have to understand me as the hearer of that sentence. You saying I want to talk about the kids' meal, the me- the meal for childrens. Anytime a child eats, I no, Rachel, no. I love that shit. No, when I say kids meal, like you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like yes, it's like a smaller portion meal with foods that are more likely to be appealing for kids, and sometimes there's a toy. Yes, okay. I uh, I really came to appreciate this now that we have a kid. I mean, when I was in my 20s, it was kind of like a way to get a smaller portion from a fast food restaurant. Yeah, and a cool badass toy. <laughs> toy. Fuck yeah. Uh, and now I see it as a way to typically spend the right amount of money on something that your kid is only going to half finish anyway. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the kid's meal is actually existed before fast food, which shouldn't be too surprising. But the thing I found interesting when I was doing research is that, um, so they didn't come out until the 1900s because typically, when people were sitting down to eat, it was just men and it was taverns. Like oh. women weren't even invited. And then sucks. as more time passed and women started being more present in restaurants, that meant the kids often were coming with them. Okay. And so one of the first places to do a kid's menu was actually Marshall Fields in Chicago. As early as 1916, they advertised their children's menu in local newspapers. So this is like restaurants in department stores. Oh, okay. So the idea was that people were going shopping, and then they would stop at the restaurant in the department store, and they would have kids' meals available. That feels very progressive. That feels like you you jumped like 10 steps to get to food court. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it feels like you, sk- you evolved very quickly and landed on food court. Well, if you think about it, department stores, I mean, it used to be like a whole event. Right. You know, the way we go to theme parks now, I feel like people go to department stores and they sure. have a whole day affair. And so they had to feed them. Yeah. And then you wouldn't, you know, be exposed to the plague or whatever. You'd be safe there. <laughs> You'd be safe. You'd be safe there. Uh, also, train cars. Okay. Kids menus. Oh, right. Yeah. Also I mean, makes sense. You're in a train. Like people finally realized like, oh, and part of that is because before the 1900s, uh, people didn't really realize that children had different dietary needs. <laughs> bad. Which I That's thought was bad interesting. Parenting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, scientific studies showed that children and their growing bodies had unique needs. Uh, and so instead of, you know, just serving your kid the same thing you were eating. Right. They would actually, you know, set aside different foods for kids. At the time, it was, of course, very like bland food. Um, not like hamburgers and fries like it is now. Yeah. God, we're crushing it, aren't we? 
<laughs> Look at all the food we have. It's badass. Hamburgers, french fries, the works, baby. So I wanted to talk about, too, this idea of the kid's meal at a fast food restaurant. Yes, of course. Again, saying, like, by no way endorsing the quality or nutritional value of this food. I will. Oh, fuck yeah, I'll die okay. on this hill. All right, here we go. Yum, yum, give me some. Mm-hmm. Whatever, dude. Mm-hmm. Whichever. Eat it every day. Every day I every would. Every meal. Every meal I would. Uh, so the interesting thing, everybody thinks, you know, McDonald's is the first one. Uh, started in 1979 with a Happy Meal. I don't think that. Oh, okay. Who do you think started the idea of a kid's menu at a fast food restaurant? <laughs> um, Hardee's. Actually, Burger Chef. That's not a restaurant. Yeah, so this is a thing. First kid's meal was the fun meal at Burger Chef in 1973. <clears throat> cool name. So... Burger Chef back in back in the day, back in the like sixties and seventies, was like McDonald's number one competitor. Okay, so that's why when Burger Chef did it, McDonald's jumped on the boat and did it too. Nice. Um, and so when McDonald's started it, though, that was when you started to see this idea of not just like kid sized portions, but also like the toy, which starting out was just like a, a stencil. Or like a wristlet. Whoa, Ronald, you shouldn't have. A stencil, my man? (laughs) Draw this dinosaur. Thanks, bud. And then it wasn't really as much of a phenomenon. I mean, obviously, like when Disney movies started becoming a thing, they started doing the merchandise. But what really blew up the toy, 90s Beanie Babies. Yes, baby. Oh, you know I had Mm -hmm. some of them. Yeah. Uh, now not as valuable not as big or a deal. in demand as everyone. Weird how that happened. <laughs> What's the best Happy Meal toy you ever got? Because oh you gotta gosh. have one. You gotta have one. They had this thing for a while, and I don't know why I loved it so much, but it's what came to mind when you asked that. Were little McDonald's food items that were Transformers? It's like a little container of fries. Yes. And it would turn into little yes. arms and feet oh when you'd fold God. it out. That must have been like a perennial. Like they must have used that one a long time for a while because I definitely had yeah. all them bad boys. I don't know why. It, it wasn't like a particularly great toy. But when you said that, that's immediately what I remembered. <laughs> I am a fan of the Pokeballs that had like the gold cards in them. I liked that a lot. And uh, the number one, though, was that around the time that the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie came out, they had the little like Morphin things that they held uh, and it would like snap open and it would have a little medallion and the medallion would like represent one of the different like dinosaurs or whatever. Wow. It was so badass. It like gave you a prop to like make believe pretend Power Rangers with. It was yeah. so good. No, and that's that's the thing. I think Happy Meal toys used to be pretty generic, but as soon as those Star Wars movies started coming out, all of a sudden it was like, oh, 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 oh is, now yeah, I get we it. should do this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's uh that's the kids' meal. The kids I think meal. it's I think it's a great idea, obviously. Uh it's been problematic. Well, I've read about a lot of restaurants that have stopped doing the kids meal, like Taco Bell, I guess used to have a kids meal and said, huh. this is not, this does not make sense for us. This is not our audience. 
Yeah. You know, Taco Bell started leaning into the like, hey, you're a college kid and it's 3 a.m. and we've, we're your only option. I, you're <laughs> fucked up. I'm fucked up. Get in here, baby. They are, there is going to, there is a culling of the Taco Bell menu that is coming. I was just lamenting this to Rachel. They are getting rid of the Doritos Locos Taco. Yeah. And I don't eat fast food fucking ever now, but I know, I like knowing that the Doritos Locos Taco is there for me when I, I fall suggest from to Griffin that he go and just stockpile. Just order just the shells. Just the shells? Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're going to keep. I'll have 75 shells. I, I need, mean, they will keep, right? They'll probably keep. <laughs> probably all that'll keep for some time. <laughs> you put them in the trunk of your car. Be <laughs> Leave it out in the, the parking lot at the airport for three years. <laughs> oh, boy. It's not great for you, though, this food. Can I steal you away? Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Uh, I got a message here for Melissa, and it's from Melissa, who says, Hey, Melissa, it's you. You've had a pretty rough time lately, but at least you're pretty and funny. Hopefully you didn't fall asleep before the Jumbotrons, as you often do. Lol. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. The sponsors find out we don't get paid. You know how you could wake her up, is you could do your rendition of Sweet Melissa? 
and sweet Melissa. Oh, God, I can't get enough of that. I know. <laughs> remember to be proud of yourself. Remember that you and your friends love each other very much. And remember to ask Patrick if he wants a bead animal. Owl City Rules Later Skater. I can't believe you made me say all that stuff. <laughs> Actually, there are a lot of R's in skater, and I feel like you didn't really pronounce no, I, it. No, I bounced right over it. Uh, can I read you the next personal message? Yes. It is for Bear. It is from Pancake. Do you think that's Jar Bear or Jar Bear? It's tough to say, but to just say it. <laughs> Jar Bear, I hope I have told you lately how much I appreciate all that you do for Maybe and I. Thanks for being my person, hating all the same things, and helping me find the brightness in life. Remember, you deserve nice things, and self-compassion isn't selfish. Let's make the good vegan mac and cheese soon. It's been a while. Love, pancake. Now that's in quotes. Which makes me wonder if it was supposed to be delivered in a very specific way. It's been a while. Or, it's been a while since I've been still remember just the way you taste. That's a gross song, huh? I thought it was kiss. I thought it was still remember just the way you kiss. Oh, I thought it was taste. I mean, both are kind of gross, I guess. Taste is definitely grosser. <laughs> Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week, and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. Can I tell you about my second thing? Yes, please. Okay, I was going to talk about 4D, right? The uh, the oh. 4D experience in theaters. Because we just okay. got back from Disney World, which like hits that shit hard. Obviously, Hobbs and Shaw is very near and dear to my heart. And that was an experience I'll never forget. Um, and it's such a like, it's a weird thing for me to be into because it's such a pointless endeavor it is from a cinematic perspective it is also like kind of a travesty because it does nothing but detract from the movie that you are watching i feel like i feel like it was tough to sometimes really hone in and get in the groove of hobbs and shaw because i was being jostled <laughs> I mean, that's so the thing. It's violently not like they do this in like the english patient or or damn the... that would be good though what do you think <laughs> that movie smells like probably not good english patient Probably not the most pleasant aromas coming mm -hmm. off that movie. I'm saying it's good for action movies because you're going expecting, you know, a full body to experience. Be, to be blasted, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I was going to talk about 4D, but like that can be a complicated thing because then you're talking about rides, you're talking about movies, there's a different context for it. But anyway, while I was researching, I did a deep dive on Smell-O-Vision, so here we go. <laughs> that, na that name, like, it's used as a sort of broad term right like smell-o-vision as the idea of having an extra sensory just not just audio visual experience when you're watching a tv show or a movie by getting like smells thrown at you right like it's a catch-all term but it was also like the patented name of a thing smell hyphen o hyphen vision uh and it was a short-lived 
beautiful thing that I learned about today, and I want to share some of the great things uh, that I learned. So uh, this idea of releasing sense in theaters was not uh, you know, necessarily a modern idea. Uh, there is some sort of, uh, from uh, like late 19th century, there's an example of some theater that was showing the Rose Bowl, like an old, old Rose Bowl. And they like piped in the scent of rose oil into the, into the theater. And then actually like live theater productions, it was a thing to like, um, put uh, perfume, like spray perfume down from, from the ceiling at certain points, uh, in the show. Uh, so like this idea kind of existed beforehand and people were kind of dabbling in it. Walt Disney considered it for, uh, Fantasia actually in 1940, but decided it would be kind of cost prohibitive, which was probably the right decision. Smellovision was invented by a guy named Hans Laub, who uh, demonstrated it at the 1939 World's Fair, uh, at which point it was called Scentivision. And the idea is that it connected pipes to, uh, you know, scent blasters, uh, and the pipes would run into individual chairs instead of just like pumping the room full of whatever yeah, stink yeah. you needed. Uh, that way you could have more control over when the smell started yeah, and right. stopped. Yeah, right. And they wouldn't like linger and mix. It wouldn't linger and mix. It still did. It was a bad invention. <laughs> um, but, but you know, you could have some control over it, so you could actually make it be part of part of the story, and, like, a projectionist would, like, pull the trigger on these different stinks, and it would blast to all the different chairs. And there was some interest at the time, but, like, none from film and TV studios to, like, actually make a movie that would utilize it, so they dropped, uh, he dropped it, and... Uh, and, and and moved, and then 15 years later, uh, there was a producer named Mike Todd who was making uh, Around the World in 80 Days, a, a film adaptation of that, uh, and he was interested. He was like, oh, what if, what if we put this stink of vision in it? Uh, but it, it never made it into that movie, but when he died, his son, who was also a film producer, his name was Mike Jr., uh, signed up with Hans to create a movie that would use smell-o-vision called Scent of Mystery. Yeah, the movie sounds fucking wild. It is a mystery flick about a a mystery novelist who is on vacation in Spain, who is trying to thwart a plot to uh, murder an heiress who is played by an uncredited Elizabeth Taylor. Oh my god! Yeah, this movie has it all, folks. They recently remastered it. They like found it and and restored it. I think back in like 2015. Uh, I don't know if they kept the smellovision component to it. If that's where she got the idea for white diamonds. Interesting. Maybe. Maybe it was one of the multitude of scents. Uh, the process of smellovision changed a little bit. Where before it was like you know the projectionist would fire it off at certain points. Here is how it worked. Here's I'm going to describe how a machine works, and maybe that's not the most interesting thing, but I found it interesting. Uh, instead of the sense being manually released, it used what he called a smell brain, <laughs> which is good. It used a smell brain, which was a series of perfume containers linked in a belt, arranged in the order that they would be released. The belt was then wound around a motorized reel. As the film threaded through the movie projector, uh, markers on it would cue the brain. Oh my god! Needles would pierce membranes on the containers, releasing the scents, which would then be blown by fans through the pipes to individual vents underneath the audience members' seats. The cost of outfitting a theater to accommodate the system was anywhere from uh, $15,000 at Chicago's Cinestage Theater oh 
gosh. to one million dollars elsewhere, which in today <laughs> money is one hundred and twenty-seven thousand dollars to about eight and a half million dollars. Oh my gosh! For the Smell-O-Vision. Also, at that time, there was a full-blown arms race with another company called Aromarama. Aromarama was trying to beat them to the punch. This movie came out in 1960. Scent of Mystery came out in 1960. In 1959, Aromarama got out there with their shit, which like blasted. It was a, was a more uh, you know scattershot approach that just filled the theater with different stinks. That uh, it was made by like a theater magnate called Walter Reed Jr. and uh, uh, it was it was used uh, the the film that used it was called uh, Behind the Great Wall and it was like a travelogue in China uh, and he claimed that they could pump over one hundred aromas into the theater in a showing which sounds fucking horrible I don't want to smell one hundred different yeah. smells within the span of a movie like and I'm trying to think how they would even like control in any given well no in any given movie. How many times are there really to smell different things? A hundred different things. Like, I feel like, oh, they're at a restaurant and they're eating a pie. Okay, I could smell that. Right. But then am I smelling when they get in the cab to go home? And then am I smelling when they... I don't know, get in the shower? Like, how many smells could you really find? Walter Reed Jr. did an interview, uh, and I I didn't get the quote, but he was, like, bragging about all the great stinks he had lined up for this movie. And he said stuff like, you know, different fruits and exotic foods. Uh, There would be the smell of fireworks going off at a certain sequence and the, the smell of, quote, a trapped tiger. What's that smell like, Walt? Whoa. Hey, Walt, what's that smell, dog? Probably just kitty urine, right? Hey, Walt, why does that smell different from a regular untrapped tiger, Walt? <laughs> hey, Walt, what do you know that I don't? What's in that basement, Walt? Is it a tiger, Walter? That's a good point, too, because they have to make all these smells, right? Yes, they would have to generate all these smells. How do you extract the stink of a trapped tiger? Gosh. 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 Anyway, the whole thing was a shit show. The the uh, aroma rama and that th- that like actually built up a lot of bad press about scent of mystery before it came out because it kind of like colored press reactions to it where they're like oh well this is also going to be shitty and bad and it was it wasn't very good <laughs> smell vision was just like super unreliable it was first of all loud it made a hissing sound every time <laughs> that a smell came out and it wasn't just that like uh, it took too long to reach the balcony. Because it's further from the smell oh, brain. And no. that's how, you know, smell works. Uh, in some parts of the theater, like, it was really strong. In some other places, it was really, really weak, right? <laughs> like, how do you guarantee that each pipe is getting an equivalent amount of stink in it? And because it was weak in certain parts, audience members would be, like, forcibly, really loudly sniffing throughout the entire movie. <laughs> well, and then the bootleggers, you and know, the bootleggers who would, who are would bringing... capture the smells uh-huh. in jars yeah. and make them available at a discount. And also, the movie, apparently, was very shitty. <laughs> so, like, all these things came together to make it a complete debacle, and, like, no other movie ever did it, and it was a colossal failure and a huge loss leader for movie theaters in the year 1960. All right, Griffin, I have to ask. Yes. What movie? Would I want the good stinks in? Yes. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Next oh, question. Okay. Maybe what's your second pick then? Like you can't pick a movie that's specifically all about candy. Okay. Huh. How about What um, about uh Wizard of Oz? No. When she gets in those poppies. I don't want to smell inside a tornado. <laughs> it collects up all the stink and sucks it in. That's no fair. thanks. That's fair. Uh what's yours? Do you have a do you have a, a, sm- a smelly movie you want? A smelly movie. Uh, 
I mean, I was going to say Wizard of Oz, but you really talked me out of that one. Yeah. What in that movie smells good to you? I mean, just when she's when she's in the field of the poppies and then they get to find out, you know, what Glenda smells like. <laughs> and Toto. Toto. You can't walk that back, baby. <laughs> you want to smell Glenda. I mean, a good witch. You know, she's magical. She probably smells good, too. You're such a pervert. <laughs> uh, anyway, the smell of vision crash and fail. But like this idea of movies you can smell kind of did go on in the context of scratch and sniff cards. Uh, yeah. In 1980, John Waters, uh, his movie Polyester, or 1982, Polyester used scratch and sniff cards. And then a more recent, probably more puritanical example is one of the Spy Kids movies used it. Uh, I think it's called like smell a rama or something. You just get a little scratch-off card and it says like, hey, scratch-off number 12. What's that smell yeah, like? Yeah, I was thinking, and this is probably messier, but I was thinking if I were to do an at-home version, yeah. a little moist towelettes. Ooh, that's fun. You just rub them all over your <laughs> face like, and hands. like open... Towel at three. Uh, And now also, you know, some 4DX experiences do use it. And Disney World uses it. Philhar Magic, you get great smells. Oh, I love that, like, smell and be our guest. Yeah. Like apple cinnamon, whatever. Uh, Soren does it. We've never ridden Soren, but it gives you, like, different nature smells. And Avatar, the Avatar ride, which Rachel and I got to ride for the first time this this year, was fucking fantastic. It does. And they, you know, they squirt you with water, too. Squirt you with water. They get you on from all sides. It's just, it's a fascinating thing. Smell of, I love people who take big swings even though at the time they must have been surrounded by people saying this swing is bad this is a bad (laughs) idea it's not going to work people aren't going to pay eight million dollars to outfit their theater with stink tubes also there's like no quality control right if you were to use this at all different theaters you like ship off your smell jars like how can you really be sure they're using them appropriately right like right? if they get the smells mixed up and it totally messes up your movie. You see, you see, like this really attractive person comes on screen yes. and then they get out the mud smell. They get and the you're cow like, well, smell, cow mud. Mm-hmm. Ew! Elizabeth Taylor smells like cow mud. <laughs> I don't want to watch any more movies with her in it. History changes. Mm-hmm. What's your second thing? My second thing is baking soda. All right, you're gonna have to really get me in- invested in baking soda. So here's the thing with baking soda. Yeah. A lot of uses. <laughs> All right. All right. Like obviously baking. Can oh. you can you name any other ones? Volcanoes. Okay. Fantastic what like, volcanoes. What about like practical uses? Uh making a volcano is an extremely practical use. And it was also what all of our listeners were thinking of as the second application of baking soda. <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah. You know, how it's in deodorant now sometimes and in toothpaste sometimes and in kitty litter sometimes. Yeah, what's the deal with that? It is really great at both cleaning and masking odors. Don't let this free incentive mystery. People be like, I'm missing all the clues. <laughs> all I can smell is the baking soda. It sucked up all the stink jars. Uh, baking soda is sodium bicarbonate. Uh, it's a chemical compound that is composed of sodium and bicarbonate. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> is there maybe two carbons in there? <laughs> yeah, there's several carbons. Um, it's uh, crystalline, but often appears as a fine powder. It is a slightly salty alkaline taste. That's baking soda. Yeah, that's baking soda. Here's the thing. So many uses for this thing. Okay, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to share some of them with you. Some of them I have personally enjoyed. Some of them I didn't even know about. Dazzle me. Treat heartburn. You want me to just eat baking soda? So you can't use too much because it can damage. 
So, um, <laughs> but if you dissolve a teaspoon of baking soda in a glass of cold water, it can address some of the uh, issues of acid reflux. I mean, that's basically what Alka Seltzer is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mouthwash. Uh, Freshen your breath and provide antibacterial and antimicrobial properties. There's so many ways to do that that don't involve putting baking soda in my human-only mouth that I get on Earth. Soothe canker sores. Now that I'm into. Uh, so what you do is you make a baking soda mouthwash. <laughs> now. <laughs> this rem- Remember when Henry had some kind of rash and they recommended we give him a bath with baking soda? Yes. You remember that? He had a very, very gnarly rash. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can whiten your teeth, which is why it's in a lot of toothpaste. It has a mild abrasive property. Okay. Uh, which can break down some of the bacteria, you know, that can stain your teeth. Deodorant, as I mentioned. Uh... May improve exercise performance. So this one I didn't know about. (laughs) During high-intensity exercise, your muscle cells start producing lactic acid. Right. Uh, Baking soda has a high pH, which may help delay fatigue, allowing you to exercise at your peak for longer. Now, hold on. Lactic acid, from what I've always understood, is your body's way of saying, like, yo, fucking chill. You need to chill. Your muscles are about to explode. It's lactic acid is responsible for the burning feeling you get right. when you exercise. Right. It's hurt your it's your body actively hurting you because your body doesn't want to be doing what it's doing. This anymore. is what I love though. Okay, so this is the study they cite. They say one study found that people who took baking soda exercised for an average of four and a half minutes longer. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, it's an average. That's what I imagine quite a bit. Okay. There's probably some big outliers there. It was, you know, somebody who's like I've just run 30 miles. I'm full of wild baking soda energy. Uh, so here's the thing about fridge odors. Ugh, the worst. I, I, so and this is not recommended, although I don't know if it's a marketing scheme of the baking soda company, but you know how they tell you to like put a box in there and then change it like every two months or something? That's wild. Yeah, I never do that. I no. put a box in there and I leave it there forever. Same, same with my car. They say change the oil. I'm like, it's oil, man. Uh, so here's, and I'm not sure on the science on this, but apparently baking soda interacts with the odor particles to eliminate them rather than just masking their smell. This sounds so, like an excuse I would make up when trying to sound like a particles. scientist. Oh, it catches the, it catches the, uh, the stink bits out of the air, the stink nanites. Every smell is composed of 75 stink bits. Mm. Uh, baking soda eliminates 72. So that's not very many stink bits, is it, Rachel? <laughs> Whiten your laundry, clean your kitchen, eliminate garbage odor, save your carpet marriage. stains, clean your bathroom, clean fruits and veggies. This was a kind of exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you rub anything against fruits and veggies hard enough, it's going to clean it up. So uh, this is in relation to pesticides. So oh, people okay. recommend peeling fruit, obviously, is the best way to remove pesticide. But you can soak fruits and vegetables in baking soda and it yeah. can remove pesticides without you having to peel them. I'm just not going to do that. Making uh, pretzels. <laughs> making, making pretzels. pretzels yes. You got it. You do an alkaline bath. Uh-huh. And that's how you get the good, firm, and bagels. These two breads are so great. Mm-hmm. Thank you, baking. And baby, you've done it. Right? You've won me over. Baking soda is a wonderful thing. So I don't need to talk about how it polishes silverware. No, no. Uh, eliminates rust. No. It kills weeds. Well, okay. Deodorizes shoes. Okay. <laughs> Basically, it deodorizes. Yeah, we don't have I mean, to go through every... It cleans and it deodorizes. Yeah. Um, it soothes, cleans, deodorizes, alkalizes, makes shit bread rise, 
If you've ever combined it with vinegar for non-volcano purposes, no. (laughs) To like clean a stain off the carpet. Yeah. Works really well. Yeah. You pour it down the sink when you have a bad stink down there and it eats up the odor. A lot of people will purchase these expensive, harmful chemicals that actually destroy some of the things that you're trying to you know, clean. Not sweet, gentle baking soda. Baking soda just, you know, it just shakes it up a little bit. Yeah, it shimmies. It gets in there, it just Ooh. shimmies around. That says like, I'll take care of those particles. Now you're making me think of baking soda as being kind of a little <laughs> sexy dancer. <laughs> kind of a little sexy dancer like, oh, hello, stinky shoes. What do you think of this? I'm shaking up. Gonna clean you up. Gonna get the stink. Give me all the stink. But where does the stink go? But where does... Now we're getting into (laughs) the real truth of the question. The research suggests that it eliminates the stink. No. And stink stink can't be created or destroyed. Exactly. Exactly. It must go somewhere. Where does the stink go, scientists? Huh? Where does it, Nobody knows. Where's all that stink going there, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Nobody knows. Yeah. When I was doing this research... Uh, it reminded me that sweat doesn't actually stink. It's the bacteria that makes it stink. And that's why baking soda can reduce the smell because... It kills the bacteria. It Yeah, something like that. Cool. <laughs> but it's, it's just like, it reminds you like, you naturally don't smell bad. It's how dirty your body is. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice to think about. It's nice to think about. It's not me. It's everything else on the planet. Uh, can I tell you about our, our friends at home, what they're into? Got yes. a couple here. Megan says, I think Pez dispensers are wonderful. I love the idea of having a little container guy that stands on its own, the sole purpose of which is making an already pretty good candy more fun to eat. I don't know how common it is to keep the dispensers, but when I was little, I kept a Yoda one for like a year. I had this exact Pez dispenser. It did give me lots of fun candy memories, and I love the Yoda Pez. I know you're a big yeah, fan Yeah, you really want to talk about Pez with me? <laughs> you love the Pez. I used to receive a Pez dispenser on holidays. My grandmother would purchase like, you know, a Halloween witch or like a little Santa Claus or an Easter bunny. Right. And all of a sudden I had like five or six and my dad kind of jumped on that and was like, you know, there are more out there that aren't for holidays. And so all of a sudden I had all the Simpsons Pez dispensers. Right. Uh, And then I had like a Pez dispenser themed salt shaker and then a Pez dispenser themed lunchbox. And then my dad suddenly had a guy at work that was like connecting him to Pez materials. (laughs) It it went deep. You had a lot of Pez, it sounds like. Keychain. Yeah, I never liked the candy. The, the candy, candy's great. No. no. Oh, oh, man. It's like chalk that's kind of it was, sweet. It would be hard for me. I would get these at the Cracker Barrel whenever we stopped at them because it was like if we were going on a family vacation driving to either Florida or the Carolinas to go to the beach for summer vacation, we would have to stop at Cracker Barrel at some point. I would get the Pez. It would be really hard for me to not just like unwrap the candy bricks and just not just pop them right into my mouth. Cut out the <laughs> cut out the middle Yoda. Do you have a flavor you liked? Uh, pink. The pink. They made ones. a lemon one, which was very good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're pink all great. Strawberry Grape. usually. I think. Anyway, uh, second one here is from Marianne, who says something I think is wonderful is having leftovers for lunch that someone made for you the night before. I packed some chicken parm that my partner and I made last night, and it was a delight to eat something homemade at the office, especially something simple, tasty, and made with love. Oh, that is Aww. nice. 
I always get excited when I have that opportunity. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like you, the stuff you make lends itself more to leftovers yes, than yes. the stuff I make. Because yes. I, I get in there with the sous vide and I, I don't want to, you know, do do bonus salmon or whatever. Uh-huh. But you'll make a big thing of pasta and that'll keep us going yeah, for a while. pasta or chili. Chili. Oh, you haven't made chili. Oh, it's almost fall. Yeah. Oh, it's almost chili season, baby. for that chili. Open up, throw open those windows. Chili Let the weather. beans stink out. <laughs> Thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go check out all the shows on the network, shows like Mission to Zix and... Switchblade Sisters. And Story Break and... And Friendly Fire. And go to uh, McElroy.Family if you want to see more stuff that we make. Uh, a lot of merch. A lot of merch, a lot of opportunities for growth for you and I. <laughs> and um, I think that's it. So, time to... Until next time. Wipe off the makeup and hang up our hats and fancy tuxedos. It's time. Let me slip out of these tap shoes. Turn the house lights on, Gary. (laughs) I want to talk to the people. We've had a lot of fun here today. How is this going to end? But you know what's not fun? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. When drugs. Drugs. When your dogs use them. When your dogs get addicted. Listen, folks, nine out of nine dogs are addicted to some kind of drugs out there. It's a problem, and they shouldn't be driving. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hey, I'm Janet Varney. And like many of you, some more recent than others, I used to be a teenager. In fact, just about all of my friends were too, including wonderful women like Allison Bree. I'm dead center on the balance beam. And this is like a big gym. All the kids' parents are there watching. I have to stop. Like, you know, when you have to pee so bad and you can't even move. And then I just go. I just pee right in the middle of the high balance beam. (laughs) So join me every week on the JV Club podcast where I speak with complicated, funny, messy humans as we reminisce about our adolescences and how they led us to becoming who we are. Find it every Thursday on Maximum Fun.